0: Welcome to Real Foot Forward, a West Tennessee podcast from Discovery Park of America in Union City, Tennessee. Today's episode is brought to you by First Choice Farm and Lawn, your first choice for farm and lawn equipment.
1: Thanks, Caroline. Welcome to Real Foot Forward, a West Tennessee podcast where we explore the history, the people, and the culture of our home in West Tennessee. I'm your host, Scott Williams. Okay, Caroline, before I introduce today's guests, what's something you've discovered this week at Discovery Park of America?
0: This week, I was looking at our Real Foot mural here at Discovery Park and learned that the boat on the wall was made by Dale Calhoun... And he is a Tiptonville local. And the boat was known as the Stump Jumper because it was designed to navigate the shallow stump-filled waters on Real Foot Lake.
1: Um, Lake. Well, well, thank you so much for that. That was a, a great thing you discovered. Today we have some really interesting guests who are going to help us discover some more things. We have Timothy and Terry Jenkins-Brady and randy stark they have a fascinating story um, that's resulted in a unique organization called right up the road media and we're going to learn all about that along with a whole lot of other things because they've got their uh fingers in a lot of pies they have a lot of plates spinning so uh welcome guys great to get to see you here good to be here thank
2: you thank you scott good to be here
1: so tim um why don't you uh just talk us through just a little bit um, and then we'll get Randy and Terry to jump in as well. Talk to us about where the three of you met. I know you have kind of a little bit of a—you—you uh, you go way, way back.
3: Well, yeah, we kind of go way, way back. We're 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 uh, we're boomers, so we were uh, born in the 1950s. We actually go back 64 years in our friendship. Uh, 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 Terry, uh, Randy, and I have known each other. Since the first grade back in uh, Albuquerque, New Mexico, where we went to grade school together at Cortez Elementary, um, we were all in our uh, uh, first grade uh, class together. Uh, I think we actually drove the uh, teacher uh, batty enough to where uh, we changed teachers mid year that year. Um, I think, uh, if I recall correctly, Randy and I each. Uh, had specific corners in the room that uh, kind of belonged to us <laughs> because uh, we loved to talk. Um, uh, and uh, it didn't make any difference whether we were next to each other, across the room from each other, or in different corners at opposite corners of the room. We still had our conversations. And I think that's probably why one of the reasons they, uh, we kind of drove the teacher to uh, to an early retirement, shall we say. Uh, Terry uh, was uh, Terry's always well. Randy and Terry were the two smart ones in the class, and I, you know, me being a little um, uh, not quite at the level that uh, they were on intelligent level. I always like to surround myself with smarter people, so uh, that was one of the reasons why I hung around with the two of them. Um, probably the the uh, the uh, one thing that both Terry and I remember the most is uh, she. Her dad always wore baseball caps. And so she had a uh, New York Yankees cap that she would wear to school, which was kind of unique for a girl to wear a New York Yankees baseball cap in the, uh, in the, in the late 50s. And uh, I would want her to tell me what Mickey Mantle's or Roger Maris's or Yogi Bear's average was or what Whitey Ford's ERA was or this type of thing. And she could never tell that to me. And so I would knock the cap off her head. Because I didn't think she deserved to wear it if she couldn't give the
1: stats. (laughs) Terry, what do you remember about uh, Randy and Tim?
2: Well, I remember them getting uh, called down for talking. And yes, I remember uh, some of the times my poor baseball cap ended up in the dirt because it got flipped off my head. And we just had a dirt playground. But my dad was a big Yankees fan, too. He uh, He was from Corbin, Kentucky, originally. And like the Cincinnati Reds, but the New York Yankees had a special place, too. So, of course, I had to copy my dad, you know. The first grade is just sort of a blur other than that.
1: <laughs> well, I have this image in my head uh, because you three have such an interesting story of, you know, this would make a good movie. So, um, anyway, I have this uh, little image of y'all as first graders. Randy, um, how long did the three of you go to school together?
4: Well, uh, we, like Tim said, we were all together in first grade. And then we got a uh, second, third, and so on. I think we got into different classrooms. Um, but we were all at the same school. And I, I still have a picture of my sixth grade graduating class. And there's Terry and me. Tim wasn't, he wasn't up in our class. Um, but yeah, I, I remember with Tim, our relationship was made in the playground. We were playing in the playground. Terry was scholastic. So she was smart in the classroom, and she she would be the one you'd look up to for the right answer. But as far as playing and that kind of stuff, playground it was boys and girls separated in those days. You didn't you didn't you were aware of the girls, but you didn't play with them.
1: Now, eventually, I know Tim, uh, you did you end up moving away?
3: Well, actually, Randy was the first one to move away. He um, I think in junior for junior high school he moved to Southern California. And uh, uh, when we went to junior high school, I went one to one junior high school in Albuquerque and Terry went to a different one. And then we went to competing high schools. Uh, she was a monarch, I was a hornet uh, in high school. <laughs> and uh, we really didn't stay in touch uh, once we left, uh, as far as Terry and I, once we left uh, grade school. Now, Randy and I, uh, we stayed in touch uh, when he even out to California, I actually uh, traveled out to California a couple of times to visit him. Um, his dad, uh, still lived in Albuquerque. So, you know, I would go over and and actually work for his dad from time to time doing yard work or that type of thing. So we kind of stayed in touch with one another. And then, um, uh, when I graduated from high school, uh, I think, uh, the second day after I graduated, I packed up my, uh, my Volkswagen Beetle and uh, headed to California, uh, actually with the chef I was apprenticed to, and um, went out to California and reconnected with uh, Randy out there. And actually during the time I lived in California, going to school and working in restaurants and such, uh, uh, Randy and I uh, were roommates a couple of times. And of course we always did all kinds of things together, went to the theater, Went to the Dodger games, went to the Laker games. You know, we did. We very much lived the California life when we were in our our late teens and into our 20s.
1: And were uh, the two of you uh, still writing at this time?
3: I wasn't writing. Uh, As a matter of fact, I didn't think I could ever be a writer. Uh, Terry brought me into that actually after we got married and, and insisted that I was a writer. I was actually diagnosed in sixth grade as a dyslexic. So, um, uh, you know, the thought of a dyslexic writing <laughs> is, is usually something that are, that is not put together in, in, um, in, in the same sentence, so to speak. Uh, but uh, uh, down the line, like I said, when uh, Terry and I got married, uh, I had put together a seminar for truck drivers that I actually... Uh, did in truck stops in my trailer. I actually took 20 chairs uh, uh, and set them up in my trailer with a, with, a, uh, with a overhead projector that I connected to my generator on the truck and would do uh, uh, two-hour seminars on, on how to do bookkeeping and business and trucking and this type of thing. And she took one look at that thing once we got married and decided that it needed to be a book. And there began my writing career. There.
1: Okay, so we're gonna we're definitely gonna revisit that because I'm fascinated uh, by people who see a need and then fill it. So uh, before we jump to that, Randy, talk to us a little bit about. I know you you were writing around this time, I believe. Is that that's correct?
4: correct. Yeah, I, I've had that uh, bug in me for a long time. So um, I was always trying to write. I wrote a while. Uh, uh, theater reviews for a newspaper in Southern California and whatnot. I think a real interesting aspect of Tim and Terry is that from the time we all left elementary school at sixth grade for 30 some years after that, the three of us were not together at all. We were even in contact. Uh, Tim and I were, but we were not in contact with Terry.
1: Yeah. Um, I'm curious. Tell me a little bit about, uh, around this time, like you're starting to write and you love writing, um, how are you putting food on the table?
4: Oh, I had uh, other jobs I worked for. You might remember the Woolworth Company. I'm sure boomers will remember Woolworth. I worked for <laughs> them for many, many years, and then later on went into uh, working for the government, different for different agencies.
1: But you loved oh, writing, writing all and were all the you time? continuing
4: I worked to support yeah. my writing habit.
1: And what kind of uh, areas did you did you write about? I know poetry. Is that sort of where you well, spent most kind of, of your writing hours?
4: Up, but I first started writing uh, plays, dramas. In fact, I've had a couple of plays produced. But then I realized that drama writing it, it requires collaboration. And I'm a loner. I'm pretty much a loner. I like to be alone with my writing. So that's I think that's where the poetry part came from. I could just be by myself. Didn't have to depend on, on anybody else to create my product.
1: Now, um, Tim, I want to hear more about you. So you were obviously driving a truck. Is that right? Well,
3: it depends on what. what. <laughs> that was one of the things I did. I mean, <laughs> when I first moved to Southern California, I was uh, apprenticed to a chef uh, for about another year. I had started my apprenticeship at 14, and uh, it ended when I was 19. And I actually became an executive chef at, uh, at 20 of a, of, a, of a small restaurant chain in Southern California. Uh, I think we had seven or eight restaurants and I was the executive chef over all of them at 20 years old. Um, and it was a very popular restaurant. I mean, between the seven restaurants, I think we did probably close to seven, 8,000 meals a day uh, uh, with those restaurants. It was called the Great American Food and Beverage Company and they had uh, they had uh, uh, poppies in Westwood. They had uh, um, high pockets in West LA or in 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 Hollywood and several other restaurants. And the uniqueness of that particular restaurant was that if you were up front in the uh, in the uh, uh, as a hostess or a waiter a or waitress or a bartender, you also uh, were an entertainer. You sang or did uh, played an instrument or this type of thing. And there were Quite a few uh, very famous people that uh, went through there. I mean, if you remember the lady that used to play the mother on on Married with Children, Katie Siegel, um, I mm-hmm. worked with Katie Siegel. Um, there's also a lady out there by the name of uh, Sue Richmond that you probably wouldn't recognize her name, but she re- she sang back up for Tanya Tucker. She did IHOP commercials. She did all kinds of commercials. She, she was all over the place there. Um, uh, i'm trying to think of some oh and and uh there was a uh, patty davis worked with us and believe it or not she entertained but she was also uh, uh uh the daughter of a very well-known individual who used to live in washington for a short time by the name of mm-hmm. ronald reagan was her dad yeah and i worked with patty for uh for a number of years out there so it was and we also cooked for a lot of uh, celebrities and and that type of thing we had a Catering service, uh, we did a, a party for Harold Robbins uh, once a year that was the, uh, the A-list uh, New Year's Eve party, uh, and we used, to, uh, we used to cook for them uh, on a regular basis. Uh, we catered the uh, entire recording of uh, Johnson, Jonathan Livingston Siegel for Neil uh, Diamond. Uh, we also uh, catered almost every war concert that war put on. Uh, Elton John used us on a regular basis, you know that type of thing. And then I moved from that, believe it or not, into being a yacht broker. And I was a yacht broker for about six years. And uh, then in 1980, when the economy fell apart and you couldn't give away a yacht, um, I had the opportunity to buy into a into a moving and storage business. And I spent the next uh, about 23, 24 years uh, moving household goods uh, all over the country. And then, and then uh, uh, Terry and I met in two thousand, and I was doing trade show and electronic moving at that point in time, and um, that's when she came on board uh, when we got married in two thousand. And like I said, from there, we we because of her desire to write and uh, become published and all this t- this direction, uh, she uh, uh, that's where the publishing company or the media company got born, was born.
1: So let's back up to the uh, the truck seminars. Um, what was the? Uh, where did the idea come from to do these truck seminars?
3: Well, uh, I was uh, working with a uh, uh, an enrolled agent who is uh, kind of a licensed CPA, but she's licensed through the uh, IRS. Uh, by the name of Esther Klanskin. And she had a company called No Taxes out there in Southern California. And she'd actually been doing my taxes ever since I had worked at Great American Food and Beverage Company. So we had a a very long uh, relationship, uh, uh, business relationship. And uh, I saw a need where there was an awful lot of truckers that were struggling with what they paid in taxes, how to do their bookkeeping, this type of thing. And I've I, I while I was cooking I also spent time taking courses at UCLA Santa Monica College in accounting business administration business management that type of thing and so I acquired some of the uh, some of those skills in terms of being able to do uh, uh, correct bookkeeping and, and accounting for running a business and we determined that the thing that we needed to do was help these truckers learn how to keep track of their 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 uh, uh, their receipts and this type of thing, because there's a lot of cash receipts in trucking. And we actually developed a, sy- a system called quick and simple record keeping for owner operators, which allowed them to just have to handle a receipt once when they, when they purchased an item and then they never had to handle that receipt again, look at it, but it was recorded and, and ready to go into your tax um, ledger, your software, whatever needed. And that's pretty much what I started teaching
1: there. So it's brilliant that you were taking it right there to the people, um, you know, were other, is that something that have, I've never heard of that. Is that something that other people do? No,
3: I, I would say, as far as I know, I'm the only one that actually pulled into a truck stop, opened the doors of my moving van and set up chairs and set up a banner and, <laughs> and brought people in at $20 a head to, to take a two hour course.
1: Yeah, that's, that's, that's amazing. Uh, kudos for that. So, Terry, tell me, what were you doing during this time where uh, Randy was writing poetry and Tim was uh, teaching these these classes um, to truckers? Well, we'll
2: have to back up just a little bit because I did a linear uh, writing career, so to speak. I was first on a newspaper staff at seven, age seven, and then I was published <laughs> at 12. I was 12 years wow. old. And I went, you know, to mid-school school I was on that newspaper staff, I was on my high school newspaper staff, University of New Mexico Daily Lobo staff. And then finally, I got to assistant to the editor at Primetime, which was the sixth largest publication in the entire state of New Mexico. It was for seniors 50 years and older. And I got my own column, Boomerang. And that, oh, I was so excited (laughs) about that. But to me, the absolute whipped cream with the cherry on top moment for my career was when Berkeley Penguin, which is now Penguin Random House uh picked up three wise Cats, a Christmas story and published it now we had self published it here at right up the road and it was written by my good friend Harold Constantelos and I, and we had put it up for sale on the uh trucker's website because we didn't have another website you know we couldn't afford a web uh, producer and you know construction and all this and that, so Harold and I just kind of stuck it over there and According to the legend around Berkeley Penguin, uh, it was found on the website by a lady who was a very good friend of the woman who would eventually become our editor at a Penguin, and she took a copy, she bought a copy off the internet, took it in to Susan Allison, and said, I think you need to read this, and that was where it got launched. I was just, I'm still astonished, because we had no agent, we had never sent the book to anybody there. And it was just picked up out of the blue. So if any writers are listening, it can happen. You don't always have to have an agent. You don't always have to know somebody beforehand.
1: And I definitely want um, us to talk a little bit about self-publishing as part of this in a few minutes. Um, you, um, how did you reconnect with Tim?
2: Well, actually, that was Randy's dad. Cause he was still living in Albuquerque and he read Primetime. He got that, uh, you know, each time we came out, we were a monthly publication. And Randy was visiting his father in Albuquerque. And his dad said, well, look, I'm going to go change my shirt and so on. And let's go out to eat. Uh, Take a look at, here, read this while you're waiting for me. And Randy picked it up, saw my picture on my boomerang column and said, "Uh, Terry Jenkins? Yeah, I went to school with her. Yeah, I did. He emailed my editor and said, would you ask if this is the same terry jenkins that went to cortez elementary and my boss walked up to me and tossed a note down on my desk and said have you ever heard of this character and i said randy stark well yeah (laughs) Uh, i haven't heard of him since i was seven years old but yes i do know him very well randy and i started (laughs) emailing back and forth and then randy mentioned that tim and his family lived in tennessee and randy and i were planning a cortez elementary get together. We were going to have a reunion of our grade school kids, you know, our buddies. And uh, that never did come off because unfortunately, those plans got curtailed when Tim and I got married. So that (laughs) put it into that. But that's how the whole thing started. It was Randy's dad who saw to it that Randy was reading that paper. So
1: Tim, what did you think when you heard uh, from
3: Terry? Well, First of all, I heard from from Randy. Randy had said Randy had called me and said, "Do you think this is the same Terry?" And I said, "Well, the only way to do is email uh, email uh, uh, the uh, newspaper and and find out." And uh, it was probably that was uh, probably four or five months, and then before I finally asked Randy, I said, "Whatever happened was that." It was after Terry Jenkins? We knew it. He, oh yeah, oh, yeah. We've been emailing back and forth, and I said, Ah, so you guys have something going on, huh? Because I haven't heard anything more, assuming that they they gotten together. And he said, Oh no, 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 no. You know, we're just we're just talking about a, a a Cortez reunion and this type of thing. And I said, Well, it would be interesting to 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 uh, get back in touch with her. I told Randy, I said, I remember I used to knock the baseball cap off her head. I don't remember much else. And, um, so, uh, he passed me on to her email and she and I started emailing back and forth. And, and, um, uh, this was, uh, the beginning of 2000, it was about January of 2000, something like that. And, uh, the next thing, you know, I think in March or something like that, uh, you know, I guess I popped the question. I don't, I don't remember if I popped the question or if we just talked it. anyway, um, we came up with a wild and crazy idea that uh, the easiest way for us to remember our wedding anniversary was to have it on a on a day that everybody remembers, which was the Fourth of July. That way, we could be guaranteed, regardless of our age, we'd always have fireworks on our wedding anniversary. It sounded like a great idea, but there's, <laughs> I I would never recommend anybody uh, actually do that because it, it very hard to find caterers, uh, bakers. Flowers, things like that, on the Fourth of July. We we had no idea it would be so difficult, but uh, we we married on the Fourth of July, two thousand.
1: You mentioned uh, Terry mentioned that you were in Tennessee. What brought you from um, way 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 out west to Northwest Tennessee? Well,
3: when I bought into the moving uh, company, uh, they had a uh, the uh, United Van Lines in Fenton, Missouri, had a project in Dyersburg, Tennessee where GM had bought the equipment from a closed-down shock absorber plant in, uh, in Dyersburg, Quester Shock Absorber. And uh, they needed somebody that had some connection and, and ability to speak Spanish and some connection with, the, with Mexico. And I had uh, actually sold a couple of yachts to the president of Mexico and knew his chief of staff and some things like that. So, uh, they hired me as an on-site coordinator in Dyersburg straight, basically out of Southern California. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I went from, you know, Santa Monica, Venice, Malibu, Marina del Rey, California, straight into Dyersburg, Tennessee for 14 weeks. And, um, uh, that is where I met my first wife who was, uh, at Dyersburg state playing basketball. I, I think she was, a. um, a, a, uh, either an assistant coach or a or a trainer or something like that for the Dyersburg uh, basketball team, and being that I was used to going to the Lakers game, although I wasn't sitting above uh, 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 Nicholson watching the Lakers play, I was sitting above the usually the girls' team at Dyersburg State watching the boys' team play, and that's where I met my first wife. And uh, you know when you marry a Tennessee girl you don't have the option of leaving Tennessee.
1: Yeah. My wife would uh, uh, say the same thing about Tennessee boys. <laughs> <laughs> um, and she's from out at Boise, Idaho. So she's, you know, out from, from where closer to where you guys were. Um, so Randy, when you heard that uh, uh, Terry and Tim were really uh, connecting, did you feel a little bit like Cupid?
4: I did. Yeah. I, I, and I, I the story about my dad it was just, it's just so amazing. It was so random. He just said, well, you know, read this newspaper and I saw the name and I saw the column. And you know, it's been 30 plus years since we had any <laughs> connection with Terry. And so like they've explained one thing led to another. And so, yeah, I thought it was great.
1: So all three of you were uh, writers writing in sort of different areas and, uh, you know, who all had a passion for writing. Uh, How did the idea um, for your website and, and I don't know what to call it. Is it an organization? Is it a company? Is it a website? What exactly is it that you guys formed?
3: well we we have a uh, the, uh, right up the road is actually a partnership uh, that is between Terry and myself it's a husband wife partnership but it is a it is a legal entity partnership that we we started in two thousand two uh, and uh, we the uh, initially that was started uh because of the the uh, driven for profits book that we'd written uh we also were looking to try to uh, get Terry published. Uh, this was before uh, Three Wise Cats and this type of thing. And the idea was we had tried the uh, the uh, uh, vanity publishing route for one book called Romancing the Road that we wrote, and it was a miserable failure. Uh would never advise anybody going that route. Uh, we spent several thousand dollars getting it published, and the book went nowhere. And we said, we're not doing that again if we're going to do that. And that's I did some research and found out that uh, you know we could actually get a uh, get set up with uh, Lightning Source through Ingram, which if anybody doesn't any, knows anything about publishing knows that just about any book that goes anywhere in the world right now uh, runs through Ingram in one way or another. Uh, and 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 Lightning Source was their print on demand uh, divi- is the print on demand division of uh, of Ingram. And so that's where we started doing some publishing. But uh, in 2003, uh, I ended up getting an award through the moving and storage industry as being the top household mover in the entire country called the Super Van Operator Award. And uh, that was a tremendous honor. I was amazed that I got it, this type of thing. But uh, that brought to bear the fact that we had published Driven for Profits, the book that had been the, the course that I taught in the back of the truck um, in the trailer. And that was picked up by uh, Fleet Owner Magazine, which was part of Penton Publishing. And they published it, but they not only did that, <clears throat> they came to me and asked me if I would be their small, uh, small motor carrier business editor for both Fleet Owner magazine and American Trucker magazine, and that started a whole cavalcade or cascade or whatever you want to call it of of suddenly writing for the trucking industry. I mean, we got at one point we were writing for twenty different publications, forty articles, forty to forty-five articles a month, you know, and basically writing a term paper a month. I mean, we were. <laughs> I, I can't. I still look at it, and you know, I've got. I've got. Well, between us, because Terry, Ed, I wrote them and Terry edited them. In other words, I would write what I knew and then Terry would clean them up and make them make them tremendously legible and uh, and and understandable and comprehensible. And that's where all of that got started uh, was uh, was through that. And from that, ABC Radio Networks in New York picked up on me and brought me into Sirius Satellite, uh, the trucker's channel of. Uh, called road dog trucking and I was on there for 11 years every usually it was every Wednesday I think for a time I was there Tuesdays and Thursdays sometimes it was Wednesday's but I I was a commentator on uh on their on one of their uh, um, uh, shows for 11 years uh through all of that so it just all cascaded and that was what right up the road was up until about 2014. When everything started to kind of change within the, the, uh, the trucking publishing, they were going more for some of this AI writing of articles. They were going for, you know, they were looking for people to, to just write articles on the cheap. You know, they weren't willing to pay the, the fees that we had been charging uh, that, you know, required, you know, our editing and this type of thing. And suddenly we went from 40 to now I'm just writing two articles a month, which at 70 years old works for me. Uh, you know, <laughs> as far as that's concerned. But uh, with all of that, we felt it was time to reinvent ourselves and really go after the writing that we had in- initially intended right up the road to be about. And so uh, about 2018 um, or 19, something like that, uh, the three of us got together and started talking about, you know, one bringing Randy in. Uh, we had published uh, one of his books, Sympatical Patio, I think back in 2006, and uh, we uh, felt like we needed to bring him in and and have him start, uh, you know, working through us and working with us to publish his books, and uh, uh, give Terry more of a of a of a uh, of a platform to start doing her writing. I mean, she's got her blogs that she does. Uh, she does her uh, 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 Abishag blog, which is a, a cat blog. But it is based on the um, uh, on the story of of the three wise cats. Which Abishag was one of the three wise cats, and then she also does a uh, astrology um, uh, a blog that she does every week. Um, and uh, uh, Randy uh, does m- several blogs uh, during the week and that type of thing. So it's given them a, a, an outlet to do their writing, and that's kind of how that came and. Why, you know, why we changed back in, in uh, about 2018 19 and moved to the website that we've got that's uh, more about the three of us than the truck writing and that type of thing that we've been doing before.
1: Um, so, um, we're going to take a break, and when we get back, um, I want to talk a lot more about self publishing and the stuff you guys are doing now. But before we take the break, can you tell me a little bit um, about? Uh, Dixie Chili Ranch, because you are literally right up the road in Kenton, Tennessee. Um, how did that come about? Well, being from
3: New Mexico, um, I've always had a, uh, uh, a passion for the hatched chilies that have hatched New Mexico. And when I came off the truck and started doing the writing and this type of thing, I was no longer able to go through hatch and pick up my chilies and bring them home and roast them. So the first thing I did was I, I, I ordered some Hatch chilies from Hatch. I ordered a bushel of them in a, in a burlap bag and had them shipped to me. Well, sad to say, when you ship chili peppers in August in a burlap bag by FedEx, no matter how quick they get here, it's too hot. And I got a bunch of moldy peppers. And I said, this isn't going to work. So I then contacted uh, the folks that I bought them from in Hatch and said, can you send me some seeds? And at that time, they were not allowed to send hatch seeds out of New Mexico. So I'm sitting there, well, that's a drag. So I got to thinking, and then I looked at their catalog and they actually had you know, the, the dried peppers like they use for the ristras that they hang in New Mexico, the dried pepper ristras. And so I ordered uh, a sack full of dried peppers. And obviously within the dried peppers were all the seeds I needed. And so I started growing these for me and from that, uh, I found I had a um, I had a talent or a green thumb for growing stuff, and so I started adding other things on there. We've got blueberries, we've got apples, we've got you know. Right now, I'm a washing tomatoes, you know. Uh, uh, you know, we do the squash and the whole thing. And then uh, when the pandemic occurred, uh, and everybody had to to do the distancing and this type of thing. That's when we started our community uh community uh supported agriculture uh membership where people pay a annual membership fee and they get sixteen weeks of produce delivered to their door to a cooler at their door on a uh, on a on a on a weekly basis or they can order directly from you know other people that aren't part of the membership actually get an email and they order uh, off of that email uh to have uh, produce of their selection delivered to their door. And that's kind of where we are right now.
1: And do you still have the roadside stand? Oh, yeah.
3: We still have the roadside stand. Um, okay. the, the, the thing I like about, you know, that I prefer about the roadside stand, with the heat and everything, I hate to send, set things out in the roadside stand all day long. So what we do is we, we request that people order, and then we actually custom pick their order for them, so it's as fresh as it can possibly be when they come to pick it up.
1: Now, Terry, what is your role in the chili ranch?
2: Well, probably mostly writing copy for the website or, you know, <laughs> I don't do well picking chilies. Uh, <laughs> That's what I wondered. Oh, well, at the start of the whole thing, uh, we we decided we were going to lay black plastic, you know, make these nice little hills and lay black plastic and so on. And We both found out farming was really hard work, really hard work, because the black plastic kept flipping out of my hands, and I'd have to scramble to go and catch it. Tim was trying to shovel dirt on it to hold it down. Oh, it was a a mess. But uh, (laughs) I do sales, and I pack blueberries or strawberries or whatever is currants and things like that.
1: Well, several times uh, my wife and I have stopped at you Road roadside stand and bought things on our way out to White Squirrel Winery. Um, so I I actually rode my bike out there one day, too. So uh, I, I love uh, what you guys have going on there. Thank you. Randy, have you been able to visit us here in northwest Tennessee? I sure
4: have, a couple times. Um, stayed with Tim and Terry there in Kenton. And, um, yeah, been into Union City. The park, unfortunately, the first time I was there was not – completed yet so I, I haven't had a chance to tour the park that's on my top of my list for my next visit
1: please do you'll have to definitely come by um how did you feel like northwest Tennessee compared um to California
4: well it's it's a different it's different I mean there are lots of similarities but it's, it's a little different I, I I'm not judgmental I mean I loved it there it's beautiful and that's that you know
1: no, no ocean here. No, there's no, no
4: ocean, but there's white squirrels. I don't, I can't find a white squirrel here.
1: That's right, and there's real foot lake. Yeah. So, so that's <laughs> that's a standout as well. So we're gonna take a quick break, and when we get back, I want to talk about uh, self-publishing.
0: First Choice Farm and Lawn is glad to be your first choice for farm and lawn equipment for the brands you trust, including Kubota, Woods, Land Pride Mark, Bad Boy, Hyundai, and others. If you're working outside, you need First Choice Farm and Lawn. Come by our stores in Memphis, Union City, Dyersburg, Savannah, Mayfield, or our new location in Jonesboro, Arkansas, or visit us online at firstchoicekubota.com.
1: I hope you're enjoying the Real Foot Forward podcast from Discovery Park of America. If you are, please be sure to subscribe, rate, and leave a positive review on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. This is your host, Scott Williams, and our guests today are Timothy and Terry Jenkins-Brady and Randy Stark. And we're going to talk a little bit about self-publishing. Um, from from each of you, from from you three's perspectives, uh, tell me a little bit about you know the difference. And and just so you know, the audience that we're talking to, there may be folks out there who have a great book in them but are afraid to start and don't know how to start. What do you think are the differences between the way it used to be? and having to work with an agent and a publisher versus today where we can, you know, have the control in our own hands. So Randy, why don't you go first? Okay,
4: well, uh, Right Up the Road was the first organiz- first company that published my poetry. So I you know, I'll always be grateful for Tim and to Tim and Terry for that, always. And then as far as my continuing writing, I do write a weekly blog for the Right Up the Road website and it's on a great Blog site. It's called Headlight. I think Tim came up with that, and that's been a great out out. Uh, that's been a great source for me to to write, and as well as um, keep up with what's going on on ranch as well.
1: And how about you, Terry?
2: Well, we, uh, as Tim said, our first book, it uh, was sort of a vanity press uh kind of arrangement and they were supposed to give us all this publicity you know and and push our book and we to our disappointment they did not because they had tons of other books coming in over the transom so to speak so we decided well okay we'll do it ourselves and again it was kind of like the first our forays into farming oh my word what a whole bunch of work and we don't know how to do any of it but we got you know the self-publishing books had just come out. Marilyn and Tom Ross, bless their hearts, had brought a huge volume of book out, a big book out, and we followed that as much as we possibly could and started uh, producing our own books. And basically, we started with Tim's business books. As far as we know, uh, for many years, we were one of only two husband-wife teams in the entire trucking industry that wrote and produced books and magazine articles and blogs and so on. And we did... uh, Driven for profits, of course, was Tim's first one, and then Quick and Simple Record Keeping for Owner Operators, and several other business books, all about how to run your truck like a small business on wheels, and that was the aim—to you know, provide the information that the truckers could use.
1: And so, I love the fact that you were talking about your blog. Um, you know, even if some, if even if someone you know isn't published, and you know, a blog is an incredible way to get your ideas and your thoughts out there. Um, how, long, how long have you been blogging?
2: Uh, I have been blogging off and on for over nine years with my Abishag blog. And it is, again, the story of the three little cats because Harold owned one cat and I had the other two. And we would put up stories about them. And people like the stories, and they just kind of follow along because we let our cats kind of do their own thing. And we don't have any talking cats per se, but we put words in their mouths if we have to and go ahead and tell stories about them. And people have enjoyed that. I've enjoyed writing it. And, uh, you know, Randy is one of our faithful readers and he regularly comments on what the blog has said. So we keep going, you know, oil the wheels that way.
1: Now, Tim, how about you? You're uh, a writer who you, you've discovered your abilities a little later um, in life, and now you're um, able to see your work uh, and the work of others published. You know, what do you think the role of self-publishing is today in the book world?
3: I think uh, self-publishing is is the new way of going. I mean, right now, the only way. Uh, you know, not the only way, because obviously there are exceptions, Terry being one of them being picked up by Berkeley Penguin. But as a whole, the major publishers uh, are looking at somebody that's already got a name that is going to generate the publicity. They're, they're, they're pre-publicized uh, in terms of uh, their books are already sold before they even they even they've even written the book. Um, and with unknown authors, uh, they're less likely to take that, that risk of, uh, of uh, publishing a book of an unknown author. Uh, so the only way that you can get out there is you need to get out there with your, uh, through self-publishing. I mean, you've got the ebooks, You've got the Kindle uh, publishing on, 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 uh, on uh, Amazon. Uh, you've got uh, Smashwords which just uh, I forget who they they just merged with but they just merged with something called digital something rather uh, and I've published through both of those entities ebooks and I've, and we do pretty good selling selling uh, uh, quite a few books through them uh, both uh, both kindle and uh, with uh, smashwords uh, that that works I mean Ed, there is a learning curve in terms of getting your format together uh, this type of thing, so that you upload it correctly, and this type of thing. Uh, so, if you've done anything, uh, if you write, uh, you can you can actually get published with a little bit of a learning curve involved. I would say probably the biggest thing of getting yourself, if you're going to self-publish, uh, is get yourself a good editor. Okay, I mean that that has got to be. Probably the the biggest thing to my success as a writer is the fact that I've got Terry, who is a tremendous editor. I mean, she is a she is a world class editor uh, in terms of being able to to clarify what I've write, written, condense it to where it's not overly long, you know, that type of thing. Where I'm not too wordy because I have a very bad habit of getting wordy. I also have a very bad habit of of uh, I had a, a, a teacher that taught me not to use uh, contractions, you know, high, you know, that type of thing. So everything is there are instead of there, you know, that type of thing. Um, uh, so the other thing is having uh, having it well edited because one of the challenges is editing is probably one of the super arts. It, it's more of an art than anything else I can think of because. What you've got is you've got to be able to understand the voice of the writer. You've got to understand the subject, uh, you know, the direction they, they want that subject to go. And you've got to be able to make it condensed enough where people will actually be interested in reading it. And then make sure that you, you've got the correct uh, 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 punctuation, that you don't have repeating words, that you don't have run-on sentences, all of that stuff. And that is so hard to do unless you do it on a regular basis uh, to do that. And I would say if you really want to go someplace with your writing, you need to find an editor that will add, add it and work with you on it. Because I think that's going to be the secret to the future of, of self-publishing is, is a good editor.
1: Because people might buy one book, but they're not going to buy another if it's not well written. Correct. Correct. So, Randy, what what tips do you have for someone who may be listening, um, who has a book inside them?
4: Well, you want to you want to decide where you want to uh, market the book. If you want to go through a, the big publishing houses, that's one route. It's a tough one. Or because technology has gifted us with the ability to produce our own volumes, uh, you can learn. You, Kindle has a, a tutorial. You can find tutorials for for formatting a book to be put up on, on Kindle, for example. Or you can contact Tim and Terry and they can give you some tips also on on potential routes to go for to pub- publish your writing.
1: I know that, uh, you know, I see some self-published books that may be absolutely perfect inside, but the cover uh, looks like garbage. So I would also add that the cover needs to be professionally designed uh, with you know some sales and marketing best practices is what
4: I, I agree do. with you I agree with you on that I would like to I would like to add
3: something right here real quick of uh, um, I've always said that you've got a 25 25 25 25 uh, situation when you you're looking at publishing a book you got to spend 25% of your time marketing you got to spend 25% of your time researching you got to spend 25% of your time writing it and then the other 25 percent of the time has got to be editing it uh, if, if you're not dividing it up in that way if you're not marketing and you need to start marketing a book long before you actually have fully produced that book you've got to you've got to become uh, the known expert or the the person that has the knowledge or the person that has the 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 ability to Bring readers in, and that's that's where the blogs and that type of thing come come in very important. Because if people start enjoying reading your blogs, and you've been blogging for two or you know a year, two or three years, or something like that, and then you publish a book, and you've got you know a thousand, fifteen hundred, two thousand people that have really followed you with your blog, you've almost got an assured uh, first sale of of of, uh, of that many books where if you just write the book and hope that you can start marketing it once you've got it in print whether it's e e-print or whether it's a physical print uh, I think that you would find it uh, difficult to really get it to get the legs it needs to to start
1: doing the sales and then, do um, for for people who are listening, um, hopefully, since you're listening to this podcast, you like podcasts. Um, I know there are a lot of self publishing podcasts out there right now, and there's a really uh, robust community of writers who all self publish. Uh, one that I personally love to listen to is the Creative Pen P E N N podcast with Joanna Pen. Um, She's a really great uh, podcaster who's got her finger on the pulse of self-publishing. And I know there are conferences all over the United States for those listening who want to do their own self-publishing. Um, anyway, I would love to now, before we go, hear what's next for you guys. Terry, What's what's uh, what do we have to look forward to from you?
2: Well, I'm going to continue writing until I'm either senile or 100. <laughs> um, we have several series that we need to go back and finish. We have a small Trucking Company series. We've got four books out of it. We need to finish the fifth. We have another book that uh, was Twilight's Last Gleaming. That was The Truckers of America Went Up Against the Terrorists in America. And uh, we understand that we sent a copy to then-President George Bush, who read it and enjoyed it and recommended it to other people, and we were just thrilled. That's but great. We have to finish we have to finish that series and another couple of series. And I, of course, have a lot of cat books in mind. I would also like to start on some positivity books. People nowadays, especially after the pandemic, are looking to do journaling and try to get their heads back together, get their lives on an even keel and so on. I would like to provide them a journal with positive input that they can say, oh, okay, I like that quote, that inspires me to do such and such, and I will do this, and this is what I'm recording in my journal.
1: How about you, Randy, what's next?
4: Well, I'm continuing to blog and I, I learned a trick from other some other writers and that is uh, to the, compile your blog posts after say a year and there you've got your material for a book. In my case, a book because I've been putting the poems on the blog. I've been putting this, that, and the other. So another book is in my, I'm, I'm working on it now as I'm writing blogs for both right up the road and my own personal blog. And then on my website, randystark.com, you can you can find all of the books that i've I have published in the past with right up the road as well as Kindle.
1: and Tim, how about you? What's next
4: from you?
3: well, yeah that's that's always a loaded question with me. Uh, uh, you know right now I am about as immersed in 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 the uh, uh, vegetable fruit and vegetable farming as one can be, so I don't have a lot of time to uh, to uh, focus on much else and and I'd actually like to do a call out to your sponsor if I could today, um, you know, if that's not a problem. Yeah, um, absolutely. I, I actually just purchased an L3301 from uh, um, uh, First Choice in Union City. So uh, I am, I, you know, ironically, they sponsor the podcast and, and I'm also a, uh, a, a customer of theirs. And uh, I think that's a, just an interesting little, little uh, tidbit. Uh, but as far as, um, my plans in terms of right up the road, uh, you know, one of the things is, is, I'm the webmaster for right up the road. So I'm always trying to, to listen to Terry and, and Randy and find out where they want to go, what they need, you know, where they, you know, what pages need to be changed or updated or add a, cha- you know, page and this type of thing. Uh, the other thing I'm hoping to do is get into, uh, either some podcasting, uh, or, um, uh, video, uh, vlogging, uh, vlogging, I guess they call it. Sounds like somebody's whipping somebody, somebody's going to vlog me, but, <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, uh, uh, you know, and maybe, maybe focus a little bit on, on, on the, on, the on the, on what I've learned about farming, both in terms of where I've made mistakes and where I've fallen flat on my face and where I've had successes and this type of thing, and actually take some of the, uh, business, uh, stuff that I have, uh, put together for the trucking industry and uh actually uh turn and and, and re uh, reconnoitre it for lack of a better word into uh, uh for small uh vegetable or fruit and vegetable farmers um type of thing. I mean, you know, there there's always a need for that kind of information. Um, you know, uh, it's very easy to find out, you know, how to grow a seed, but how do you grow a company? You know, and and so you know, that's what I want to focus on: is how do you take a, a an idea to, you know, start a market garden, and how do you grow it into an actual uh, profitable company?
1: Well, all these all these opportunities for all of us to uh, utilize to get the word out about things is both you know, a blessing and a curse, because there are so many things you can do. It's hard to know where to spend your time uh, to get the most return on the investment. So you three have given us a lot of things to think about. Um, I know that we've mentioned it a few times, but for anyone who's listening, who uh, wants to get in touch with you, can go to writeuptheroad.com, and it's w wrightuptheroad.com. So uh, thank you guys so much. This has been fascinating. Well,
2: thank, thank you. you. Thank you, Scott. We appreciate it.
1: Thanks to all of you listeners who've joined us today at Discovery Park of America. Our mission here is to inspire children and adults to see beyond. To plan an experience here for you and your family, visit discoveryparkofamerica.com.